Welcome back to another season of South Africans Abroad, a show for expat South Africans and anyone interested in the experiences of those who have made the move overseas. Each episode, we'll hear from South Africans who have left the country to pursue new opportunities, be with loved ones, or simply follow their dreams. We'll explore the challenges and triumphs of life as an expat, and the unique perspective that comes with being a South African abroad. I'm your host, Warren Burley, an expat South African who, like many, followed the dream of working overseas. Whether you're an expat yourself or just curious about the expat experience, join us as we delve into the motivations, struggles and joys of being a South African living overseas. Grab a castle, some biltong and join us on South Africans Abroad. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I've got a guest which uh, I actually met out here, James McDonald from Find Your Africa. James, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. James, tell us a bit about, uh, about yourself firstly. Born and raised in South Africa, as you can tell with the accent, um, trying my hardest to keep it. Uh, my wife likes my accent, so trying hard to keep it, which is tough being out in California. But yeah, I grew up born and raised in Hinlong Clips, so just south of Johannesburg. And I was actually a safari guide when I was out that side of the world. Okay. Worked around a bit, uh, went and worked uh, for Princess Cruises, traveled a bit, uh, saw a bit of the world, and then ended up meeting my wife and moving out to Southern California. Okay. Um, how long have you been out here? Uh, about nine years now, just about to go on 10. Well, you talk about the accent. It's actually good that you haven't lost your accent. I know the Americans love it. So what do you, what do, you do out here? Um, so I own Find Your Africa. So it's a safari company. And what I do is... I chat to people, clients, guests that uh, mostly Americans that want to go out to Africa and do a safari. Okay. And I pretty much custom build them itineraries. Like I said, I was in the safari industry for many years before I moved out the yeah. side. So I know the industry well, uh, got really good suppliers out there. And that was always my passion and love was the, was the bush, was the safari industry. So yeah, so now I make everybody else's dreams come true and I send them to Africa. Okay. And do all your clients mainly come from the States? Uh, mainly, yeah. I, d I do have some international groups, um, like I've just sent some groups out from Singapore, uh, but mainly it's locals, so it's mainly Californians um, and Americans in general. And do you go out with them? Sometimes I do do hosted tours, so it all depends on the clients and, and what they need. I do a hosted tour once a year where I normally get 12, 12 guests and I take them out and okay. I actually show them around myself. Uh, but most of the time I'm just sending clients out. Um, I'm in the luxury market. Um, so a lot of honeymoon couples, romantic couples, um, or romantic trips. And then, yeah, I custom build itineraries and yeah, I do that. So whereabouts is it based in South Africa? Um, so I don't have a base in South Africa. Um, I'm solely based here. And then all my suppliers that I use are based in South Africa. So there'll be um, some of them in Cape Town, some of them in Joburg. Um, but my lodges um, and my hotels that I work with, uh, they throughout Africa. And where, where do you like to send people? What's your favorite destination? Ooh, it all depends. So I get to know my clients. Um, so I'll sit down with them and I'll chat to them and I'll see exactly what they want to do, why they want to do it, if it's their first time or not. Uh, most of my time that I'm chatting to clients, it's first timers. Um, so then I'm always recommending South Africa. South Africa for first timers is fantastic. I'll normally send them down to the Cape, Cape Town for about four days uh, where we include tours. So they'll do like Table Mountain, 
they'll do Cape Point, they'll do um, Robben Island, um, get them out to the wineries for a couple of days, do some wine tours. And then from there, I normally fly them up Sabi Sands, uh, Kruger area, uh, just because it's spectacular for game viewing. And then if top that off, finish that off, I normally send them up to Victoria Falls. Okay. I'll do like Victoria Falls, do a helicopter f uh, flip over the falls, a river cruise, something like that. And then yeah, back out again. And that's Jeez. normally like a 10, 12 day trip. And that's, yeah, that, that would probably be my, uh, the one that I would recommend. Yeah. Yes. You're making me miss home. Eh? I know. I know. That's why I do it. You know, I miss, I miss South Africa. I miss that industry. Yeah. So that's why. Uh, I can smell the bush and see the sunset for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that sounds like a, a, a bit of a dream job there. Um, let's talk about how you met your wife. So when I was working in the safari industry, um, that was always my dream to stay in that industry. It's my passion, my love. But I did want to also travel and see a little bit of the world. And I got an opportunity to work for Princess Cruises. Um, so I uh, joined them in the entertainment um, department. And that's actually how I met my wife. So uh, on one of our tours, one of our cruises, uh, she was actually on. Um, she was out on a family vacation. I was working on the cruise line and we kept everything above board. Nothing, uh, <laughs> nothing shady happened, um, but we, stay, we stayed in contact. Yeah. And um, I invited her to come out to South Africa and she came out and that's when we knew it was serious. She met the family, fell in love with South Africa. Okay. And then I came, uh, I went back, did another, did another tour. And um, during that time on my next break, I came out to California, met all of her family, okay. friends. And that's when we realized like we had to do something. We couldn't keep doing the long distance. Yeah. We did it for about three years. And then we decided, no, we needed to settle down. So then that was decision time. Are we going to both move to South Africa or, are we gonna, or am I going to move here? Yeah. And that's when we looked at pros and cons of both and decided to come out here. Okay. So the rumors about uh, all the cruise liners are true then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, categorically, I'll, I'll deny that. <laughs> you met your wife, you're back and forth. I know your business, you said your business was in South Africa. You both fell in love with South Africa. What made you move to California? Yeah. So I think we, we just kind of looked at it um, long term, you know, okay. and what would be the best for, for both of us. And like we said, if we had gone back to South Africa, it would have been us both restarting right. and then Sarah would have had to have also got used to the safari industry because um, at that stage I was working at lodges so I was based in the bush she didn't really have any experience with that so that would have been a lot for her um, and then we kind of just weighed up with where the country was going how it looked long term if we wanted to settle down have a family opportunities things like that and that's why ultimately we decided it would be a better long-term move to be out in California compared to South Africa. Okay. But it was a hard decision. It was, it was very hard. Well, it sounds like you, you go back quite often. I try and get back as often as I can. Um, so normally about once a year that I'll try and get out there. I've still got very good friends out there. Um, and of course, I love the, the bush. I love the safari side of things. So, uh, so I miss that. Um, so yeah, so normally once a year. But hopefully I can get even more busy and have more groups that would like me to host them. And then I can get out even more. Okay. And before we get into the visa process, because that's going to be quite a discussion, um, how do you get business? Like obviously moving over here, 
was your business primarily in South Africa and you could kind of work from wherever? Was it all internet based or did you have to start over here? Yeah, so I actually restarted over here because I didn't have a business as such based in South Africa. So I was just working at the lodges. Um, okay. I was managing lodges at that stage. Right. So I actually didn't have a tourism uh, or a tour company. Um, so when I came out the side, I had to restart. And I actually didn't restart in the safari industry. I actually restarted in food and beverage. Um, okay. So I was using the skills that I learned at the lodges. And then I, and that was one of the challenging things is needing to find work out here. Mm. And then how do I find work with my experience as being a safari guide yeah. and lodge manager? And then how do I now find work out here? Exactly. And I ended up finding, um, I started working in food and beverage. I worked for JC Resorts, which is a, a golf and hotel chain or group. I ended up working for them work my way up in the banquet industry okay um so i was then yeah food and beverage um did that for many years and then i wanted to go back into my passion and love in, in the safari industry and that's when i decided no i was going to invest more time in find your africa and originally i created it more as a side hustle and then as COVID kind of kicked in we decided no it was time to change things up I needed to invest all my time into it. So during COVID, I used that opportunity to get involved in um, associations and things like that okay. and rebuild the website and then start growing from there. Okay. So that's how it started. And are you finding, like with the changes in South Africa, obviously there's the big electricity crisis at the moment and the water and everything. Is that affecting your business? Um, it is and it's not at the same time um, because people are concerned about that. Um, especially with the load shedding and, and the, the crime and things like that that guys look at. A lot of the times they see all the bad publicity coming out of South Africa. So it's definitely a big concern. But out in the bush and that, I mean, that's... Exactly. Not as big out, of out in the bush, they don't get that. And that's the first thing I'll chat to my clients about. And that's yeah. why I always recommend that they work with an, an advisor yeah. um, that can point them in the right direction. So they're not going in and staying at the wrong places or staying in areas that are affected by load shedding and stuff. Most of the lodges that I work with, they've all got generators and it's all five stars. So you don't really have to deal with that load shedding. Yeah. Um, and then like, like I say, we custom build all of our tours. So, you know, guys are getting fetched from airports, they're getting flown in, dropped off. So they don't have to worry about renting cars and dealing with the traffic because all the robots are out because of load shedding or anything like yeah. that. So, but, um, but as a whole, tourism is actually booming at the moment. Um, there's a lot of demand, a lot of people, especially after COVID, they want to do those bucket list trips that they never had a chance okay. to do. I think COVID's kind of shaken up the whole world and people are like, hey, like, we don't know what's around the bend. So we're going we're gonna to go on that trip yeah. that we've always wanted to do. Okay, that's good to hear. When, you know, when I first came out to, to America and, and I flew back home, there were people on, on, on the plane and they were like, when they looked out the windows, like, oh my God, there's buildings here and stuff like these roads and like, we can't be in Africa, where are we landing and, and stuff like that. Do you get a lot of that? Like, what is the first impression when the people land? I do. And it's one of the, it's one of the challenging things I've actually got uh, to deal with because clients will chat to me and when we talk about like if you've been in the safari industry and you talk about a luxury safari tent these tents are luxury safari tents they're like better than most hotel rooms um but you say a tent and the guys think that they're going to be you know roughing in a little up, yeah. dome tent roughing it up <laughs> on the floor and then they start thinking snakes are coming in animals lions. are going to get their lions <laughs> things like that or even mentioning the word lodge you know yeah. i tell them about these five-star lodges and they think lodge like a wooden cabin 
you know, up in up in the mountains. And I'm like, no, 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 it's it's just called a lodge, but it's not really that. Um, so yeah, and I definitely get it. Uh, I do chat to people that have traveled before and then they're a little bit better with that. But mm. if it's their first time, they really do have the, the old school picture of like the open savannas, uh, the out of Africa's. Yeah. Um, and then I show them photos of South Africa and they can't believe that that's South Africa. Um, my wife was like that when she first came out, she didn't realize how beautiful our oceans were. Um, she knew it was on the tip of Africa, but she didn't really, really grasp it. She thought it was going to yeah. be open grassland, savannas everywhere. And then when I showed her, she was just blown away by it. And most clients or most of my guests, I have to show them photos to actually prove to them like, hey, yeah. it's different. It's not just yeah. open savannas with giraffes running around everywhere. Yeah, we have that conversation now often. Um, especially like people always ask, oh, what's it like there? And it's, you can't actually tell people how beautiful it is yeah. because they just, you know, they don't get it. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the visa process. Mm, mm. So you met your wife, you decided to come out here. What visa firstly did you apply for and which route did you go? Um, so I came out here for one of my visits um, and I was out, we met the family and everything. And then on my next trip coming out, uh, we knew that we wanted to settle down. Um, and so I proposed. And once I proposed, um, we then, she obviously said yes, and then we started the process. Um, we also hired an attorney at that stage. Um, we got a lot of support from Sarah's family. Um, so they actually uh, offered up their house so I could move in with them because during this process, you're not allowed to work or anything like that. Um, and it can be quite pricey. And we wanted to do everything ourselves, but um, Larry, Lairdog, uh, Sarah's dad was like, no, 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 let's, let's look at an attorney, yeah. let's get it done properly. So we actually hired an attorney, that's the first thing we did. And then we just listened to everything the attorney told us to do. And then um, that's, so that's kind of started our process. So did you get the attorney before you decided to get married or did you get married and then the attorney? We, as soon as I proposed, we got the attorney. Okay. And then the attorney so is that advised to do that? Yeah, I would say do that. I would always say consult an attorney because things change all the time. Yeah. It's very technical with any of that immigration stuff. So if you fill in the wrong thing on the form, it could be months to rectify that type of stuff. Right. And when you've got the attorney, look, it's expensive. But for us, it just I think it saved us. Um, also, then he knew all the processes. He knew exactly what to do. Um, so, yeah, so we actually snuck off. We went to Vegas and we got married at Ve in Vegas. Elvis wedding had to be. Uh, no, we, we didn't go that crazy. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, because we wanted to get our paperwork in yeah. as soon as possible. So we actually did that. We had a, our proper wedding a little bit later, uh, okay. the year after. Um, but we mainly did it so we could get our paperwork done and our okay. paperwork process. So how long, how long was the process? So we, I waited about three to four months for my work visa. That was the one that I mainly wanted to get. So, I could okay. start so you working. couldn't work for three to four months? Couldn't work for three to four months. And as you can imagine, that eats into your yeah. nest egg, especially living out here in Southern California. It's not the cheapest place exactly. to live. Exactly, yeah. um, But like I said, we had support, so, so that helped us a lot. Um, and then I got that work visa, and then it was probably about six to eight months after that. So it was less than a year that I got my, that I got my green card. So you're looking at about 10 months that the whole processing time took. Okay, and you could stay here, uh, and uh, you could go back could, to South Africa? I or? could stay here, uh, I just wasn't allowed to leave. Uh, the country. Um, so while my uh, green card was in process, I wasn't allowed to leave, um, which was the challenging thing because the next year we were actually doing our 
we were doing a cruise. All my family were coming out for the cruise, so we decided, hey, we're going to get married on this cruise, so everybody can um, can be there for it. Yeah. But that's leaving the country, so I had to apply for a special visa, oh, wow. or, um, a traveling permit, so I could go in and out. And How difficult was that? It wasn't too difficult. It just took time. And again, we had the attorney, so we just chatted to him. He told us all the paperwork, things like that to do. Um, and like when we went for our interview, fortunately we had our attorney that had set us up correctly. Yeah. Um, so we, our file was super, super thick and, uh, yeah, we just sat down, the guys interviewed us, asked us some questions, um, and pretty much like that it was done. So we didn't have a really tough time. I would say the hardest time was not being able to work for three to four months. Yeah. That was really challenging for me. Um, I've always worked since I was 18 years old, yeah, 16 yeah. years old I've worked. So not being able to work was How a little challenging. How do they expect you to look after yourself? And that's the thing. They expect that you're going to be sponsored by somebody. So at that stage, Sarah, my wife, was technically my sponsor. Um, and she didn't have like a, a massive job or anything like that. Yeah. So we took a bit of strain. Um, okay. And we kind of had an idea that we wanted to do that. So we kind of, on some on my previous contract working, I saved up a little bit of a nest egg. But like I say, that got eaten, that got charred away fast. pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that goes really quick. Wow, okay, so I finally met someone who married for Green Court. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there you go, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, what's funny is me and Sarah always say, and she's like, yeah, well, you came here and I've given you my green card. And I'm like, hey, I'll go back to South Africa. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, you guys don't have a have the bush out yet. We got the green mamba that time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. Um, tell me something. What is the most important information you would give to somebody that's doing the same the same visa? Mm. Um, so I would say I would get hold of an attorney. Um, I would say it's worth it's worth spending the money, um, getting hold of an attorney, and then just doing it properly the first time. Um, if you try and speed up the process, you try and do it not right, it's going to bite you. It's going to bite you. Okay. Uh, and particularly now, you know, it's immigration's getting a lot more strict all over the place. Yeah, um, for sure. So you definitely don't want to be um, on the wrong side of that. And if you get flagged by them, it's going to be it's, it's going to be, be hard. So I would say, and I know it's expensive, and you can do it by yourself. But for me, I'm like, don't take the chance. Work with a professional, and then. Um, Make sure that you get everything done. Yeah. And, you know, you, you watch a lot of the movies where they, you know, get married for green cards and, and, and whatever. And they actually come out and do visits at the mm. house and stuff. Did they, was that a thing for you? No, they never did that with us. Um, but we did do the interview thing. So, like, on okay. that movie, The Proposal, and they, they have to sit there and do the, do the interview. Yeah. Um, me and my wife had to do that. So, we had to go in and we got interviewed. But like I say, fortunately, we had an attorney. So, they'd given us everything we needed. Okay. And um, we sat down and the person interviewing us was, was great, very friendly. Looked at our file and was like, hey, this file's great. Went through it, asked us some questions. Yeah. And bang, it was that easy. Okay. So uh, have you still got a green card now or are you a citizen now? So I'm still on a green card. I'm going to get my citizenship um, and I should be doing that soon. Um, so for the moment, I'm just on uh, on a green card. Yeah, because I mean, a green card's pretty safe. Yeah, and it's 10 years and then you can just reapply and get another green right. card. They don't normally revoke it. They can revoke it if you do something really silly. Yeah. Um, but if you... You know, I'm not doing anything silly. I'm a business owner, so I'm contributing. So there shouldn't be an issue why I wouldn't get another green card. Yeah, but I sure. do want to become a citizen because 
I obviously do live here. I pay taxes here. So I want to be able to vote and things like that. So. Yeah. And when you, when you become a citizen, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a question that everybody asks. Are you keeping your South African passport, like dual citizenship? So this is the challenge for me because I'm, I'm already on a dual citizenship. Uh, I'm South African and British. Okay. So I've got my British citizenship um, as well as my South African. Because you can only keep two, right? You can only keep two as far as I know. Um, yeah. So I will have to drop one. Um, I don't want to drop my British citizenship. <laughs> and I really don't want to drop my South African citizenship because, you know, that's where I was born, raised, I'm yeah. South African. Um, but yeah, but I've know how powerful that British passport is too. So giving that up, I don't know. Okay, so so that's one of the reasons why I'm still on a green card because I haven't quite made up my mind on what I'm going to do there. Okay. And that, that won't affect your business if you're not a South African citizen? No, no, it won't affect because I can still go over on uh, visitors visas and, yeah. and getting into South Africa on an American on a British passport is super easy. Yeah. Um, and even traveling throughout Africa, it's easy. Um, it's more just for me because I'm South African. So it's just, uh, I always consider myself South African. So yeah. to not have a South African passport, it's, it's just feels weird. So you, you spoke about things you miss, um, you miss the bush and things like that. Is there, is there anything specific that you really miss about that? Sure. Um, well, definitely my friends. Um, I'm very fortunate. I've got a very, very good group of friends out there. Um, so I miss them on a daily basis. I probably miss them more than family in a weird way. It's just that connection with friends that you've got. Um, and I definitely don't have the same here. Um, and I don't think I'll be able to build that here because yeah. of the time that I've invested in my mates in South Africa is I've known them since primary school. Yeah. Um, so they know me so well and uh, yeah, so I'd probably say them, but then also the small things, you know, I miss, uh, I miss the ghost pops. I miss the cheese snacks, <laughs> yeah. you know, knickknacks, um, you know, all of our good South African snacks yeah. I, I miss and I can get them. I can get them online, but it's not quite the same, you know? Yeah. I make my own biltong, but I still don't think it tastes, it tastes like as good as proper home, home biltong. Okay. And then, yeah, just the, just the culture, you know, going mm. out, having a castle light at the dross or, you know, something like that, hanging out on a Friday. Uh, it's yeah. I miss that. I yeah. miss the culture for sure. Do you find it hard to make friends out here? I do. I do. I think it's, it's not really hard. It's just, I don't think I'm ever going to make friendships that are as deep as my friendships at home. Right. Um, so I think that they're more shallow with, and I know shallow is not, probably not the right word to use because it sounds negative, but it's just more surface uh, friendships that I'll make. And I get along with pretty much anybody. So, you know, yeah. and even though I don't know too much about the American sports, I can still hold a conversation because I've played fantasy and things like that. Yeah. So I find it, it's, it is easy. Um, but I just won't be able to replace my friends at home. And so I think I'm a little bit sheltered to, to make a new Yeah. Look, I think, um, I mean, not saying it was easy for you, but I think it's a lot easier, um, you know, when you're marrying an American citizen and you're hanging out with their friends and things like yeah. that. Um, because like with everybody else that I've interviewed, everybody goes through that five-year thing, you know? Yeah. Like the first year is excitement, second year is like... What have I done? Third, yeah. you know, and it kind of sounds like you've missed all of that yeah. um, because you went straight into it and, and, and you knew what you wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah's got, she's got a great family and they're all local. That's why we are chair. Mm. Um, and we all get along really well. What was the biggest challenge for you? I would probably say missing the bush because like I said, I'm a, I'm a safari boy. I, that's, you know, that was my love and passion. Um, yeah. So I think that was, that was the hardest thing is then moving into a new industry and restarting again. Um, and then kind of, it's almost stepping back. When I was in South Africa and I was managing the lodges, that was like, I was almost at the peak of what I was doing. 
and then coming out here, I had to restart. So I had yeah. to really start from the bottom. But fortunately, you know, most, most of us South Africans, we're hard workers. We get our head tucked in. We learn something. Yeah. And I promoted really quick. Um, so, yeah, so I started then promoting and then I had created another career. And then I was like, no, I miss South Africa and I miss the bush and I want to send people to Africa. So then I took a step down again, restarted the business. So I've kind of restarted my career like three times. And okay. that's been a little challenging. Um, but yeah, but apart from that, I haven't had massive challenges. And I'm very fortunate. Um, my wife was um, from here. She was um, established here. Our family were established here. Um, they gave us a lot of support and love. So that definitely helps. So I can imagine I've got friends that are trying to emigrate at the moment out of South Africa. Yeah. And I can imagine two South Africans with their kids now moving to a new place. Everybody's restarting kids in schools, um, yeah. parents at jobs, different cultures. I can imagine that's really tough. Yeah. So I, I definitely had it way easier than a lot. Yeah. Well, James, it's, it's been an absolutely fantastic conversation. Um, do you want to just tell us your website, how people can get hold of you for all the South Africans that want to go back? Yeah, yeah. So uh, like we said earlier, the company's Find Your Africa. Um, on all social medias, it's uh, Find Your Africa Travel and websites, findyouraficatravel.com. And yeah, if anybody wants to go out to Africa or wants to do something and do a safari, uh, yeah, feel free, reach out, chat to me. Um, even if you've already booked a safari, but you you have some questions about it, feel free. I love chatting safari. I love chatting about the bush. I love chatting about South Africa. I'm very passionate. So yeah, if anybody wants to reach out, please, please do, yeah, and follow us on social media. Perfect, sounds great. I've got one last question for you uh, that I'll ask everybody. Is the grass greener on the other side? I think definitely it is, um, especially, um, you know, long-term uh, setting up a family, things like that, um, having security, safety out here. I would definitely say it's greener. I'm very fortunate that I still get my love and passion from the safari industry side. So I still get home um, and I'll always call it home. But for me, I'm fortunate that I've got my base here and then I can still travel to South Africa, which for me is still the best country to, to go and visit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but if I was to answer, yeah, the grass, the grass is pretty green on the side, even in California where we had some drought. But yeah, uh, but yeah it's, uh, it's definitely greener. It sounds like uh, you got two sets of grass there. You can just step over either side. Exactly. James, thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, good luck in the future. And, and hopefully we can chat again. Awesome, Warren. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for joining us for another episode of South Africans Abroad. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, or even if you want to appear as a guest, we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to tune in next time for more stories and insights from expat South Africans around the world. Until then, check it Tuesday.